Great teachers don't just come from the classroom. They can be found almost anywhere in your life. That's why we, Wade and Hope King, created this podcast to connect you with the stories, the tools, and the joy you need to take education to the next level. Nowadays, everyone's an educator. Whether you chose that career or not. And we're all in this together. So come on, let's do this. Welcome Welcome to to the the new EDU. We are so glad that you are joining us for another week. And as always, we hope that means that you're celebrating that you made it through another week in 2020 as of right now. It's, we're almost to the end. We're almost, we're almost to almost the there. end of 2020, which means I think that... Fourth quarter. I was literally thinking that this year's New Year's Eve is probably going to be like the most hype of all the New Year's Eves, just because everybody's going to be so ready to get rid of 2020, <laughs> 2020 and say so long. See you later. Hopefully 2021 That's <laughs> has, right. has a little bit more more to Can't offer wait us. To see it. Yes. I know. I know. But we are so excited that you're here for another episode. Today we have one of our very good friends and honestly one of the people who has inspired us the most in our right. educational careers and for so many years. Um, and we don't say that just because they published two of our books now. We don't No, we don't. We don't say it just because of that. We truly mean it. This was Dave was an inspiration to us before um, we Forever. Even, yeah, before Forever. we even had like, an idea of a book. He, he is who we look up to and thousands of educators look up to and he's who you learn about going through the educational profession and I mean we're just so grateful to call him a friend. We are. He is a New York Times bestselling author of Teach Like a Pirate which if you have not heard or read of that book or read that book Uh, we highly recommend. What what are you doing with your with your teaching career? It's one that's been on my shelf for quite a long time. He and his wife Shelly they Mm -hmm. just I love the fact that they support education in such a way that they, you know, I know when we went to them with our book and our idea, they said, we just want to get educators manifestos out there. Like we want That's to see exactly their passions. What it was. Yes. We want, we want them to be able to speak to other educators. And so um, we're just so grateful to be a part Absolutely. of the Dave Burgess family. So we let's welcome to the new EDU podcast, Dave Burgess, everybody. I feel like there should be some sound effects. <laughs> I, always, I always feel like we need sound effects. Dave, welcome. Go ahead. I know that we are already introduced you, already gave you an introduction, but you're going to do it better than both of us put together. So go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And it's an absolute pleasure, honor to publish the Wild Card and Wild Card Kids and to work with both of you and to get a chance to speak at your conference when you were here in San Diego was incredible. That was so fun. It was like a rock concert. Uh, the kind of atmosphere that you you two have your, your events is just unbelievable. It's so fantastic. So it's an honor to be on the podcast. Love your work. I am the author of Teach Like a Pirate, as you mentioned. I'm from San Diego, California, most of the year. Kona, Hawaii, some of the year. And president of Day Burgess Consulting Incorporated. And we publish education manifestos, like you said. We try to amplify the voices of educators out there doing powerful stuff. And so it's just, I'm honored to be here. Well, we are so excited to chat about, you know, really kind of a, a burning topic, questions that I know you get all the time, mm-hmm. that we get all the time. I think that you wouldn't necessarily classify the three of us as a traditional educator. I think that the three of us pride ourselves in finding, you know, ways to teach outside of the box and saying, okay, we have this content, right. we have this curriculum, but what are we going to do with it? How are we going to make it magical for kids? How are we going to make them actually want to learn this content, not just a have to type of thing? And so along with that, 
always tends to come, you know, some feedback, you know, some just a little feedback, whether it be, you know, if you're maybe a teacher who's on Instagram, sometimes you get the feedback in the DMs, as we've talked about on episodes, or maybe it's your teaching neighbor, or maybe it's administration, or maybe it's the teacher next, you know, a couple doors down, or whatever, maybe it's your teacher bestie, I don't know. But with non-traditional instruction and teaching comes the feedback. And so today, we're so excited to chat with Dave just about how we manage sometimes difficult colleagues. And, you know, difficult colleagues are not, it's not just like they're in education. They're a part of every workspace, of every field. Exactly. But how do we best do this? Yeah. And like you said, I mean, it's it's understanding that it goes beyond education. Yeah. And so it goes beyond just being in the school building. And like like you said, it could be in your DMs. It doesn't have to be in your school building. And uh, we, we couldn't think of anyone better <laughs> to kind of give us some advice because we listen to everything he says. Well, not only that, we've Dave, gone to him for yeah, advice with Yes, this, we have. But, but speaking of being non-traditional, first of all, Dave, yeah. your you know, big mantra and what you really mm-hmm. stand behind is this concept of teach like a pirate. Yes. So for educators who maybe have not read mm-hmm. the book, can you just kind of explain to what does teach like what a is pirate that? What, actually What does that mean? mean? Yeah, so exactly. So it has nothing to do with the dictionary definition. We don't want teachers going out and attacking and robbing ships at sea. Uh, teach like a pirate is everything about the spirit. And to me, the spirit of a pirate is someone who's unconventional, someone who's willing to reject the status quo, someone who's willing to sail into uncharted waters with no guarantee of success, a risk taker, a rebel, a maverick in the classroom. Oh, maverick. Look at that. We got a maverick reference already. Yeah. (laughs) So we're looking for mavericks, educational mavericks, and understanding that maybe it's not going to always go well. It's going to be a little bit messy and being willing to take a risk. And so that's kind of what we're looking for. Teach like a pirate. It's also a play on words with the hook. We're trying to hook students. Pirates are known for hooks. And this is about hooking students into what you do, drawing them almost magically or magnetically into what you're doing in your room. And then it's also an acronym. So uh, the P-I-R-A-T-E of uh, pirate stands for something. And so uh, that's kind of the three layers of the teach like a pirate metaphor. Now, Dave, the, the question that I want to ask you before we dive into kind of what it, what did that look like, like in terms of feedback, you actually had these ideas, and this is the way that you taught in a high school right. setting. Is that, that correct? Oh, man, I love that you said that. Yep, absolutely. So I was a high school teacher for 17 years. Wow. And so, you know, so many times we get the question, you know, oh, yeah, this is great. We love that you think like this and think outside of the box and you're creative and you're dynamic and you like to have fun and you like to dress in costume and like do all these things. But I teach high school. Mm. What do you say, you know, Mm. or even sometimes in middle school, I think that it's gotten a Mm. little bit better with middle school. But what do you say to teachers who are like, oh, I kind of love the the way that elementary teachers do it and that middle school teachers do it. But that would never fly in high school. Yeah, so I've told people before that when I get paid to travel around and try to convince people to teach more like a kindergarten teacher, more like a, a early primary teacher. And there's like this, at some point in the educational space, it's like, oh, now they're this age, learning has to be serious. Learning has to be always, so they use this R word, this rigor word all the time, all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff like this. And I always tell people, no, like, don't fall, fall for the false dichotomy that your class either is about learning or it's about fun. Not only do those two things go together, they don't, they can go better together. I call it the Reese's effect. They go better together. So yes. incorporating fun, learning, movement, that hands-on learning, project-based learning, all those things, music, uh, art, 
all those things together, which elementary school teachers resonate with, that kind of validates much of their practice. So they embrace Teach Like a Pirate right away. But I'm trying to convince middle school teachers and high school teachers that, that it works in their classrooms too. And not only does it work as well as in elementary school, I think in some cases it works better because the kids haven't had it for so long. That's right. Students are starving for these things. And when you start to incorporate these ideas into your high school classroom or your middle school classroom, it's like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like I haven't got the chance to use play since I was in second grade or whatever it might be. And so I think that it really, it stands out at the high school level and is maybe even more effective. One, one thing that I really love about what you do, Dave, is you, you are authentic to who you are and, right. you, and you support teachers who are being their authentic self. Like for, for me, I, I don't speak quite as fast as you or Hope. <laughs> <laughs> And my creativity doesn't look like yours and it doesn't look like hopes, but I have my own sense of creativity and using that inside the classroom is very beneficial. It's exactly what you just said about the high school kids and the high school teachers. They haven't seen this in a long time, but also they, they want you to pour into them. And so not being afraid to be who you are yeah. for your students is so important. And I love no matter where you are, Dave, if you're on stage, if you're on a podcast, if you're on a virtual, if you're doing a virtual conference, you are who you are, and you don't hide away from that. Yeah. And to be honest, like, th these are two kind of different generational type of teachers. You're in a different generation than we are, yeah. but we're still on the same platform, which I love so much about this that this partnership that we have, this teamwork, and that's what education really needs to be about, not thinking that the, 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 the teacher down the hall or across from us is so far removed from what you do as a teacher or who you are as a person, but you have a lot in common. We just have to listen to each other and, and stop talking about it negatively. Yeah. And I also love too what you said. I'm going to, you know, what Wade mentioned that you said was that at this age, they're starving for it. Mm. And I'm like, you know, I think that when you get to the middle school and high school level, level as the educator, you have to say, step back and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Am I not doing this because I don't think the kids are going to respond to it or because I'm uncomfortable oh. with it? Because as students get older, then you have to fear the judgment of students a little bit more. But, you know, again, what you are about is your authentic self and bringing who you are into the classroom everything every single day. And I think that's what educators have to remember is am I being my authentic self? And then, you know, what am I worried about? Am I worried about high school kids, middle school kids judging me? Mm -hmm. And if so, we might need to, you know, reflect on our own personal right. issues that we have going on. I always try to convince teachers, what is unique about you, your particular strengths, your talents, your voice that you add into the classroom is what makes you most powerful and effective with the kids. And not only does it make you the most powerful and effective with the kids, it also helps to build rapport with kids, build relationships with kids, because, you know, the, they get to see you. They don't see you as just some test preparing automaton. They get to see you and you're sharing yourself, your authenticity with them. And kids are great BS detectors, right? <laughs> they know when someone is being inauthentic. And so the, that authenticity and speaking from that place of authenticity is something that they pick up on right away and that draws them in and attracts yeah. them. I mean, as educators, you know, my thing has always been, you know, that that saying dare to be different, dare to be different. How mm. can I dare to be different? Mm -hmm. Because we don't need one model of educator. We need all different types of educators who kids are going to respond to completely differently. So right. they get all types of experiences and not just the same one. When we teach in ways like this, when right. we try, when we try to take the ordinary standards and make them extraordinary, or we're doing things that maybe nobody's ever seen before, or nobody's ever thought of before, or it's a little out there for some people that does come with its fair share of feedback, which is what we're talking 
talking about today and how to navigate sometimes difficult colleagues in the workplace. So what kind of feedback? I know you were in a high school setting, so I'm really right. interested. I'm very, yeah. We haven't had this exact conversation, so I'm actually right. going to be learning something new from Dave today. But what kind of feedback did you generally get from colleagues in the workplace when you were teaching in these ways? Yeah, so a couple things about this. First of all, we have to understand that we work in a profession where sometimes it's just lack of information that colleagues have because we might, I've worked with teachers, you know, 10, 15 years and never actually saw them teach or they never saw me teach because we're, we're teaching at the same time. So we just pass each other in the office or along campus. And then we go into our separate rooms, close the doors and we teach. And so everything that they hear is coming from students a lot of times. Right. Mm. And so like, I'll give you a quick example of this. Maybe I, I have a lesson where I do like a 45 minute lecture on the, Berlin airlift, some Cold War events. At the end, they build paper airplanes and we do this reenactment of the Berlin airlift and they're trying to fly planes into West Berlin and deliver supplies. And, you know, I'm reinforcing the content saying, oh no, you landed in communist territory. We got to get your plane into West Berlin, right? And also we're, we're flying these planes. And then at the end with like a minute or two left, we go outside and have a little contest where we fly planes for distance. And I have some silly prizes for the three, far, for the planes that fly the farthest and all this kind of stuff like this, right? Okay, well, now here's the thing. The bell rings. Off go these kids with their planes to the next class. First thing that happens is they run into their friends in the hallway. Hey, why, what's up with the paper airplane? And they're like, oh, we just did the Berlin airlift in Mr. Burgess' class. And then that kid says, oh, wait, you got to be kidding me. We just did three worksheets on the Berlin airlift in our class. And then my, my student says, oh, yeah, I know, because Mr. Burgess takes the extra worksheets from your teacher and we make them into paper airplanes, all right? And then they go into, <laughs> the, they go into the next teacher's class. Now, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but sometimes 16 or 17-year-old kids don't make the best decisions. Okay. And so really maybe they're going to get in trouble with their paper airplane, or maybe the teacher is going to say, Hey, Hey, what's up with those airplanes? Now, does the kid say, Mr. Burgess just gave a 45 minute lecture on the Berlin airlift and then added a kinesthetic activity with a kind of a making element to it, which really was reinforced his content and provided the kind of learning experience that really hit me as a kinesthetic learner and also created the kind of learning environment that's so positive. I can't wait to come back tomorrow to find out what we're going to do next. I'm going to say that's no. The kid says. I'm going to say no. Definitely not. <laughs> the, the, the kid says, uh, because we are flying planes in Mr. Burgess's class, uh, right? That's what the kid says. And so that's the information that that teacher has. And so we have to always remember that. And if, if you create a class that becomes wildly successful and popular with students on your campus, I'm sorry to say this, but that's not going to make everybody on your campus happy. Mm. And when they're seeking reasons why maybe their class is not as uh, well-loved, they're not going to always seek um, empowering and self-reflective reasons why. Right. Mm -hmm. But yet as an educator, you have to have the personal power, the strength of character. Right. The, the for the intestinal fortitude <laughs> to teach in the most powerful way that you can for your students, even in the possible, if not likely, face of a little criticism from some of your peers. As I was listening at the end, it just kind of reminded me about what we've talked about on this podcast is communication. If someone's misinformed, we've got to communicate with our colleagues. We've got to communicate with our family members. I mean, that that's not going to solve every single issue that's going on. I mean, kids are going to be kids, but communication and relationships and understanding where other teachers are coming from, especially if the only time you see each other is passing through the hall. It takes extra effort to build those type of relationships 
And so I, I'm just saying, like, if 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 we all, is, and it's not on that teacher who is going above and beyond. It's everybody trying to, relationships are two ways. They're not just one way. And so you have to be willing to reach out to those people who are being different, who aren't as traditional, or vice versa, inside of your school building and have check-ins with those teachers who you don't normally check in with. Because at the end of the day, you're working in, in the same building if you're high school, middle school, uh, upper elementary, you're impacting the same kids because they're going back and forth. So, I mean, God, misinformation, that okay. is well, nail I, on the head. I, well, oh, I hear oh. what you're saying. Are you disagreeing with uh, me? I'm not necessarily She's going to disagree with me. But I have a question for Dave because I'm okay. just going to tell you about how I would feel with this because I'm like listening to Dave because this has been issues that I have dealt with personally yeah, I, in yeah. my school. Maybe I haven't always been the best at navigating difficult colleagues because what I tend to do is just – okay, well, I'm going to close my door and teach. And I just kind of shut down with it, right? Because I feel either one of two things. So I want to hear what Dave suggests maybe that we could do about this. So I either feel like if I inform other educators of what I'm doing, then I'm bragging, oh, right? Wow. And I'm being the teacher yeah. who has the best, oh, look at my lessons. I'm, I'm being that show, show, look at this girl to show off. But then if I don't tell them and they're like side-eyeing me, then I feel like now I'm having to justify mm. what, I, what I'm teaching. And I don't really like either of those positions. I don't, I'm not trying to show off and I don't really feel as though I have to justify because I feel like I'm a, a darn good teacher when it comes, I'm teaching my standards. Right. So how do we open these lines of communication to really help teachers understand Understand what's going on in our classroom without taking either one of those roles. Yeah, so a couple of things. I, I think that's a matter of welcoming welcoming people in. And sometimes people will say to me something like, "Well, my principal doesn't understand what these like uh, what these strategies are and why they're useful." I said, "Well, have you ever had that discussion? <laughs> have you ever told them why? Have you invited them in to to observe?" Like people say, "I'm nervous that my, my principal is going to come in the room when I'm doing something wild and crazy and they're going to catch me right at the wrong moment or something like that." I'm like, "Well, have you ever thought about contacting them and inviting them to come in at the right yeah. moment and so they can see some context to what it is that you're doing have you had these discussions with your colleagues about these strategies that you're using and so i think it's a, a welcoming them as, as part of this process and, and so i think that's i mean that's certainly where i would start yeah and you know i think just having an open door policy you know it's a yeah. kind of like sharing ideas like hey if you want to see more and you want to see an action and how kids respond to it come on into my classroom and you know it's not even about being like Oh my gosh, I'm worried about what, like you said, I'm worried about what they're going to think or how they're going to judge me. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. That's where you start opening up dialogue and conversations to be had about about these instructional methods. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's scary, right? I mean, it's it, it takes. And, but if you're going to teach in this way, just like you said, you have to have that intestinal fortitude to step outside of the box. But we also have to have that to have those difficult conversations, even though they may not be difficult. It's still different. And yeah. so having that it open door, it can be uncomfortable. Yeah. And, but at the end of the day, if you're not making that effort to say, Hey, anyone's welcome inside of here, uh, that, that's kind of on you too, because you're not taking that extra step. Yeah. So then, you know, what we see happen a lot of times is like you said, and I, I mm -hmm. love that you point, because honestly, I, that's not really something that pops into my head initially when I think about right. what's going on with colleagues in schools is that idea of the misinformation or they're, and you're right, kids are not going to be, give them the whole detailed outline. They're just, nor their parents. They're going to go home. What'd you do at school? I built paper airplanes. That's just kids. Like that's just the nature of who we're working with. But you know, then what happens a lot of times 
sometimes is then teachers start talking, multiple teachers start talking about the lessons that they're hearing about mm-hmm. in your class or the things that they see going on. And so, you know, gossip, again, a part of any workplace. But I do feel like in education, there's a lot of this comparison going on. There's a lot right. of teacher talk, if you will, in a nice way. So what are your suggestions for teachers who, you know, either they're feeling some type of way because they feel like other educators are talking about them or, you know, their team might be talking about them and they feel like the one that's being left out. Yeah. How did you handle this and navigate well, and, the and, and he's a he's also probably experienced some of this in the workplace oh, as well. Sure. I mean, he's a I mean, especially with managing all these people. I mean, you you are the president of a big organization. And so, yeah, we'd love yeah. to hear your insight on this. So as far as you, and you mentioned something earlier about feeling like you're bragging or that you're you know boasting or kind of being uh, egotistical if you share what you're doing, all that. And this is something I have to deal with with authors all the time is because educators aren't great at tooting their own no. horn, right? Educators aren't great at promoting what they do and they feel kind of icky or like, oh, I feel too salesy when I'm out there pushing my stuff and all that kind of stuff. Like, whoa, whoa, wait, hold on a second. I'm assuming that what you that you think what you do is powerful for kids. I'm assuming that you would you feel that if if you could share this message with other educators, that this would help more students, right? And so it's not just okay for you to share it, you have a moral imperative to share it. Mm. And not only do you have a moral imperative to share it, you have a moral imperative to do what you need to do to get good at sharing it because if you believe that more people teaching and using these strategies would be useful for kids would help kids then you have that moral imperative and i use i'm kind of an over-the-top uh person so i give you i'll give you an over-the-top example let's say that you're at a party and it's crowded and a person on the other side of the room drops to the floor and stops breathing and you happen to know cpr Now, would it be egotistical or bragging or selfish for you to make it known real clear that you know CPR? Would it be, would you be considered a bully if you pushed your way through the crowd in order to get over that person? No, you would be greeted as a hero when you got there because you had exactly what that person needed at that moment, right? And so the same thing is true in education. If you know some information that's going to help other educators, if you have some strategies that are going to help kids learn and develop a more empowering uh, feeling towards school you need you have that moral imperative to share it's not just okay you need to get out there and spread your message and get good at spreading your message come on dave i, I mean, just that needs that, a round that, of applause that lit me up like if i could clap while you were talking i would have done that because that is so true i feel like you know that is this is classic education where teachers are, why are we afraid to be good at our jobs? Why do we feel some type of guilt because we are great teachers? Why do we feel icky about saying, you know what, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm a fantastic teacher because Target doesn't have any issues saying they have better products than Walmart. There's There's no ickiness about that. And so why does this ickiness come with education when we are the ones we're the ones that, you know, these kids are going to turn into nurses and doctors and, you know, lawyers and whatever artists and all of these different, you know, the future president one day. And so why should we have to hide from the fact that, first of all, our profession is amazing. And second of all, we're amazing at what we do. And why shouldn't we be sharing that with the world? We have to. And that's, I mean, that's one of the things that that we do love about you, Dave, is because Mm -hmm. when you publish these books of these teachers, you are, you are not only sharing what what they believe and and what they have seen work with kids but you are you are their number one cheerleader in yep. doing that so you're not just here saying this on 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 our podcast right now you are living it 
every single day. And that takes a lot of work. And so we, we want to give you your, 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 your kudos for that because yeah. we have seen you do that because you have a responsibility and you've taken that responsibility that, hey, people are listening to me. I'm going to empower these teachers because what they're doing works. And that's what this community needs to be about. Yeah, that's what education, like, teaching I am fired up. needs to be. I have not yeah. seen, Dave, I just want you to know, Wade does not get excited, this I mean, excited on most episodes. I so don't. I just want it's you to true. know. <laughs> it's true. Well, there's there's a question in my book that makes people very uncomfortable. And it's, this is the question. It says, do you want to be great? And whenever I say that to a group of educators, it's met with shuffling of feet, like uh, avoidance of eye contact and people kind of fidgeting. And they don't want to answer that question. Yeah. And like, are you getting mediocrity doesn't motivate. Yeah. You can't get excited about being lukewarm. Who wants to get up in the morning? Well, I can't wait to get in my classroom and be lukewarm today, right? Like, I want to be great. And, and the, the thing is, that doesn't mean that you want to be better than somebody else. That means that you want to be the best you can be for your kids. And by the way, like, when they say like uh, a rising tide lifts all ships, that just provides that example for other people. And it's, it's not like you're trying to out, out teach the person next to you. It's, it's that you that you teaching your kids the best you can, that's going to that's gonna raise the bar. And everybody else wants to try to, to, to rise up to that, right? And so it's not some selfish thing that the pie is infinitely huge. Just because you take a big piece of it doesn't mean somebody else can't have a piece, right? And so you trying to reach your greatness and become the best that you can be to reach your potential is something that we should strive for as educators. And we shouldn't be embarrassed about that. When you look at athletics, we don't get upset when an athlete tries to be the best that they can right. be. In fact, we're upset if they're not trying to be the best they can be. Look at all the talent that that athlete mm. has. If only they had the heart, if only they had the, if only they would actually go after it and try to fulfill their potential, we get upset when they don't try to be great, right? And the same thing is true in education. There's no reason why we shouldn't try to be great. We're in the service profession. So our, like, if you are an educator and you put in more heart, more energy, more soul, how much more money do you get on your paycheck at the end of the month? Right. You, don't get, you don't get one right. cent more money. Mm -hmm. but it's, you're in the service profession. So your greatness mm -hmm. is only in the service of other people. It's uplifting and helping other people. A, a, a rising tide lifts all ships. Say that I mean, again. holy cow. And I mean, that, the but, pie is big enough for everybody. Like, this is just, I hope every educator, right, every educator is listening right now. But along those lines that tide won't rise if we're gossiping about each other yeah those are just holes in the ship we've got to start preaching that positive inspiration and just lifting each other up celebrating those small victories if you see something say something there's a difference between venting to your close friend and then say and then just gossiping about everybody that's oh my gosh yes we, we all have to vent sometimes we all y'all teaching is stressful it's 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 very hard it's very demanding especially right now this year the, yeah, in the year of 2020 sure. holy cow but that doesn't mean we got to take those those different stressors or what's put on our plate and push it off into something as gross as gossip. That just makes the ocean disgusting. And we have to clean it up to help those ships just leave their harbor and just kill it. So well, I can, think the question that we have to ask ourselves too as educators is what I'm about to say or what I'm about to do is my action going to uh -huh. rise the tide or is it going to sink the ships? And at the end of the day, who are we in this for? Kids. Right. And if the ship is sinking, who's on the ship? 
Kids. And so that's what we have to consider. If the tide is rising, who's on the ship that's rising? Kids. And so the things that we say, while we might not think, while we think, oh, we're saying it to a teacher, that has a direct impact on the kids sitting in that teacher's classroom every single day. I mean, I I, I would be remiss if um, I didn't say that I feel like I'm on a basketball team right now. My coach was talking to me. <laughs> I feel the same way. Why, why do I feel like that right now, Dave? Well, you know what? It, teaching and coaching, they, they go hand in hand. And uh, I know you have a background as a coach. I have a background as a coach, too. And so uh, it's I feel it. A good teacher, a good teacher knows how to coach, and a good coach knows how to teach. They goes they go hand in hand. And so yes, sir. that's absolutely the case. So we've talked about, you know, the fact that yes, this is gonna happen in yes. education, and yes, for the different for different reasons. And you know, considering, you know, the, the story of the person saying this to you and the, the lack of information potentially or difficulties that they might be dealing with. You know, there's just so many things that could feed into why someone is being negative, why someone is being difficult to work with. But what do we do as the educator? You know, we've talked about kind of why this happens. What do we do as educators to really rise and to really, you know, focus on ourselves and our kids, but also the best for the school, really thinking with our school in mind and community yeah. in mind. What are some different strategies that we as educators can do when we are maybe dealing with a difficult team or when we have heard about gossip? How do we kind of get these educators on the ship with us and bring them along for the journey to, to help them be the, because I love mm -hmm. what you said too. This is not about be being better than someone else. Right. This is about being the best version of yourself. So mm -hmm. how do we bring others on that journey? Yeah, so when I think about changing the culture of a school system or trying to bring everyone along with us, I, I always say this, that like if you were trying to build a giant snowball and you went out into the snow and you tried to grab it all up at one time, what would happen? It would all slip away from you, crumble away, you would end up with nothing. That's not the way that you build a giant snowball. The way you build a giant snowball, you get a little bit in your hands and you shape it, you pack it tight, you mold it, and then you add a little bit more, a little bit more. Eventually it gets big enough where you could put it on the ground and you start to roll it and the snow starts to stick. That's the same way that you change the culture of a school. You can't announce change from the podium. You can't just stand up at the podium and say, this is how we're all going to be this year and like, all right, go, right? You find the people that do want to be a part of something new, do want to be a part of something creative, do want to be a part of something innovative, that are do have a positive and empowering outlook about education. And you work with them and you focus your energy there. So rather than allowing your energy to be dissipated by maybe mm. some negativity or, or apathy in your school system, you find the people that do want to do something with you and you work with them. And then the energy and enthusiasm that radiates out from that group starts to attract other people in. People start to say, like, hey, what is it that stuff that you guys are are always talking about like I want to be a part of that and then you welcome them into the fold eventually it gets big enough where you can roll it across your whole system but it always starts with that small little group you finding your people that want to move with you that's why like maybe when a, a, a teacher will contact me and say hey we're doing a book study on your book would you like like to meet with us virtually but the problem is like you probably don't want to do it because there's only going to be like four of us in the lunchroom. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course I want to do it. That's how it starts at every school. It's just a few teachers that latch onto something. And then it's that energy enthusiasm that they have for the message that starts to radiate out. Eventually the whole school might embrace the message, right? But it always starts with that small group. So go out and find your people. And if you can't find your people on your campus, that's why it's important to become a connected educator and go wherever you need to go to find the, your people. And, and and to get connected with people that want to be a part of what you're that you know have that same spirit of innovation and creativity that yeah, you yeah I tell hope all the time and I use the analogy of 
Hope's best friend, who's also an educator, and they've been best friends forever, is Amy Lemons, and she lives in Texas. Yep. Like, even if you can't, and exactly what you just said, join a community. Mm -hmm. Like, there are so many community. I mean, y'all, this is the internet age. Like, get connected. If there's no one in your school building, which I'm sure you can at least find one person in your school building or in your district, y'all, the internet's right there. And your community is fantastic, Dave. We have the Get Your Teach On community. They've kind of collided now. And there are teachers out there supporting each other all day long. Yeah, and it's just such an important piece to success. And that's, you know, that's what the three of us are about. And, yeah. you know, so many guests that we've talked to here on this specific show and podcast. But this is not about hope being better or Wade being, we, we don't do these platforms and pour in this work and pour into, you know, our social media platforms to better ourselves. Yes, of course, we want to be better. We want to improve. But this is about us. This is about all of us. Because why? Again, it goes back to our purpose, our reason for being and doing mm -hmm. what we do and why we do it. And it's the kids. It and so, small, you know, just like you said, it starts small. But being connected, I think that is one of the most important pieces to really, you know, because we're going to face negativity. Mm -hmm. negativity. We're going to face people who don't like us. We're not everybody's cup of tea. And, you know, I think the three of us have learned, especially with the work that we do, that that's okay. That is okay. And sometimes you just have to let that go. And I'll give you a music example of this that I use sometimes. Um, uh, Jerry Garcia, The Grateful Dead. So he, you know, they have this thing where they have this group of people that would follow them around, the deadheads, from concert to concert to concert. And he was asked about this group, like, what, what are these deadheads? What is this all about? And what Jerry Garcia said was something that was very applicable, I think, for what I do and what you two do as well, is he said, you know what? It's not necessarily about the music. What it is, it's, and it's not about us. It's what we have done is we have created a place for people to come together to ritualize. And so people who maybe felt like they don't fit in, maybe they're a little bit feel like a, a square peg in a round hole, or, uh, right? Or maybe they just feel like they're out. There's no one in their system that, that understands them. And then you create this place for them to all come together and say, oh, listen, I'm not alone. Look at this. There are other people like me. I want to be a part of this community. And you create create a place where they can come together and ritualize, uplift each other and empower each other. And now I mentioned the Get Your Teach On conference that I did in San Diego. So that, like, look what you have done with that, with that platform. You've created this place where like-minded educators can come together and ritualize and come together and say, oh, these are where my people are. Yeah. I don't feel so alone anymore. And it's just so encouraging and uplifting. And so, you know, I like to send a shout out to both of you for, for building that community and being a part of that community. And what Jerry Garcia also said, which I think you kind of were talking about, Hope, is Jerry Garcia said that, hey, it's not, it's not about us. We just happen to have the best seat in the house right now because we're on the stage, but we're just a part of this community. Yeah. And so creating that space for other people to come together is really important. I love, I love so, that example. I yeah. love that analogy so much because we, I think, I, and, and I don't think people understand it. I mean, and you get this, Dave, because you, you see your, your community. I mean, we, we probably get, and it's selfish, but we, we love it. We love seeing what our community does in education, and it fuels us. Mm -hmm. It fuels us so much to continue to providing that space and, and to providing a, a place of comfort and just allowing people to come together. And it's been really hard during this season, yeah. like during 2020. Like yeah. we, we haven't had that physical space, yeah. but you still see the teachers out there killing it. 
Yeah. It's just incredible. I mean, if you need to get connected, you can follow hashtag get your teach on or hashtag teach like a pirate and you will find yeah. a community of educators who there might just be like-minded like you are because both of those communities are just exceptional and just filled with incredible educators. So I know that this could be a whole episode of what the question, the final question that I'm going to ask, but just kind of, a li- I just want to talk just for a minute or two because relationships is such a huge, huge piece of this, right? Mm. When you're talking about dealing with difficult colleagues, you really have to think about and consider what am I investing into building these relationships, right? And who am I building relationships with? You know, I think so much about sometimes we do get into the gossip circles and it's just like we talk to teachers about, and I know Dave, I've heard you mention this and I know so many of our, the educators that we work with mention this too, but not to ever, you know, take gossip from a teacher of a student who's coming to you because that student could change, right? That student Mm. could change over the summer or that student might completely respond to you in a different manner than he responded to the previous teacher. And so you don't want to fill your head with so much bias that then all of a sudden you start to see different things from a different light because you're letting your bias dictate that. And I think that that happens with teachers too. Oh, don't, don't go, don't work with this teacher or don't Mm -hmm. work with that teacher because they they say this or they think this or they do that. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to be really careful with what we listen to and who we surround ourselves with. But what, is, what are your best pieces of advice for relationship building within your workplace and how we do that in a positive way and with the difficult teachers in our building? Or I'm going to say difficult with quotations around it because, again, that teacher may not be difficult to yeah. you. So how do we let that kind of – how do we let our mindset and, you know, the actions that we put into place really help us build and establish yeah. strong connections? Yeah, so, I mean, I think, I think it's an investment of time, for one thing, and that this doesn't happen overnight. And so you have to kind of keep putting those – uh, deposits into that relationship bank account. It's not something you're going to do one time. It's not going to, you're going to, you're not going to write one note. You're not going to stop by the classroom one time and have this happen. It's that ongoing consistency that's showing up for people over and over and over again that really starts to build that trust. Uh, and Lead Like a Pirate, one of the things that Beth and Shelly talk about is trust is like the oxygen of a, a school system or a relationship in that oxygen is invisible. But the absence of it is is death, right? Wow. You know, right away. And so you can't see mm. it, but it's just sometimes when you go into a school building, you're like, oh, what is it that's different about this space? And it's invisible, but what it is is it's trust. Mm-hmm. And so developing that trust is something that comes with just the consistency over and over again. And then you also mentioned something earlier that really hit me. And this is something that has been a long road for me. And it's realizing, hey, you know what? Not everybody has to like you. Yeah, yeah. Well, there and it is. It's really... <laughs> Yeah. It, I mean, it, not, it, it's taken us a long time too, honestly. Yeah. Not, not everyone is going to like you. Not everyone has to like you. And you shouldn't expect that everyone is going to like you. And, and this, and the thing, you don't have to like everybody. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that you can't have a respectful and professional relationship with your colleagues. And so, you know, some people are always like, well, I just can't get them to be my friend. Well, maybe they're not going to be your friend, but you can still have a professional relationship with them and you can still treat them with the, the, treat them with the respect and dignity that another human being deserves. Right. And so that's something that's been a long road for me to realize you know, people say like, you can't believe I, all these mean things that people are saying about you and your book online. And now I've gotten to the place where I've learned to be able to say like, that's okay. I, I didn't write it for them then. Yeah. You know, there's, there's lots of people who enjoy my work and enjoy my book. And if someone doesn't like it, that's fine. They can, there, there's lots of other books out there. There's other educators that they can connect with. They don't have to like me. Yeah. I mean, as you were speaking, I was like, man, what, what, what exactly keeps us from understanding or getting that it's okay if they don't like me. And I think it's more of a personal thing to where 
people just want to be liked and they want to be everybody's friend. And just like what you just said, like, it's fine. Well, what does that mean? It's not that, oh, they, they can go off somewhere else. They don't have to like my, no, it really is. It's, it's okay. Not everybody likes the same type of food. Not everybody likes the same type of movies. Not everybody's going to like the same type of people, but treating people with respect is totally different than trying to have a super friendly relationship. Yeah. Two totally different things. Love that. I mean, I think that, you know, I'm not for everybody and that's fine and vice versa. Everybody's not for me and that's fine, you know? And I think that that is just part of human nature. But again, in education, everything is then twisted to where, no, we everybody has to like everybody and everybody has to be on the same page (laughs) and everybody has to be each other's best friend for our climate to be positive. And that is just false. Now, that respect, like you said, that's the key right there. It's not that we have to be best friends or have a relationship, but the respect has to be in place. And that's what makes a positive working environment and climate and culture in your school. Working environment. And as we've been having this whole discussion for the past 40 minutes or so, I keep keep thinking in my mind that this is so applicable to teaching because it obviously is, but it's applicable in everyday life. Yeah. Everyday life, and a lot of people are at home right now with virtual education or distance learning, and you, you you're you're trying to figure out what in the world is bothering me so much. Well, it may be these things too. The, yeah. the what was ever happening in your home, in your workplace, at school, all of these things are applicable. Yeah. Yeah, this is just part of the human experience, right? This is you know, it doesn't matter what your profession is or whether it's just what your relationship with your family, friends. This is just part of the human experience, and it's it's a tough part. But uh, it's also a very re- rewarding part. And that, that respect that you expect in, from other people and that you give to other people, you also have to understand that if that gets violated, if someone is disrespecting you and mm-hmm. that you have to have the uh, self-care, you know, mm-hmm. to, to do some intentional self-care and know when, you know what, this person, I need to not be associated with this person. I need them not to be a part of my life. And I need to not bring their messaging into my life. You have to have take responsibility for what you uh, allow to take up space and energy in your life. Yeah, because right. we only have so much space to give. And so energy that is, too. you know, thinking about, again, even our friends in the workplace or who we consider friends or who we consider, oh, this is my colleague. What does that really mean? And what, do they, what are they doing to benefit and to help you grow, mm-hmm. right? And to help you grow in education. And what are you doing to help them grow as well? And so if that is not happening, happening and it's a toxic relationship, there can still be respect. Like there can still be respect, but it doesn't mean that, like Dave said, that you, you allow them to take up space. So, so much many good pieces of wisdom and just so many important things Mm. to consider. Like Wade said and Dave said that this is just part of human life and this is just a part of existing. And so recognizing how all of this is applicable to all parts of our life. Before we head out, Dave, I'm going to turn it over to you. Anything else you want for these listeners to know? Any pieces of wisdom? I know we could get wisdom from you all day long, but any final things that you want to share with the listeners? Yeah, for sure. So again, make sure that you get connected, find your people. Uh, If you're looking to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Burgess Dave. My name just flipped around to Burgess Dave. If you're an Instagram person, I'm at DBC underscore INC. And I blog at DaveBurgess.com and I will love to get connected with you. And you want to get connected to him, to the amazing authors, to our DBC family. Like I'm telling you, if you haven't already, you need to uh, just tap in, y'all. We are here, and we are here with open arms to support every single one of you. Yeah, so Dave, we're just so grateful to always learn from you. I actually heard some new stories, learned some new things from you today. Always, and so always, always taking little bits and pieces. So thank you so much for thank coming you. and sharing your wisdom and sharing that, you know, educators, I hope what you heard from this is it is 
It is amazing to be great. You should be proud to be great. You should be confident that you are great. Be a pirate. Um, you should teach like a pirate. Yes, I be love a that. But you know, there's there's a community out there for you. And so finding your people, I think, is kind mm -hmm. of what sums up dealing with difficult colleagues. How mm -hmm. do we deal with difficult colleagues? You find your people, and that's where that's your energy it. comes from, and that's what allows you to continue taking another step forward. Because every day is just about being a little bit better than the previous day, and that's yes. what we're all striving to do. So thank you to Dave again. Tap in with their community. They have so many incredible resources. Thank you for joining us here on the new EDU. If you liked what you heard, then tag us. Let us Let know that us you were know. listening. Let us know your favorite, you know, take backs. Tag Dave so that he can see him as well. And again, it's about connecting. So let's get connected. Let Wade and I Absolutely. know what you liked. And if you didn't like it, like we always say, yeah, you can just fine. keep that just, to yourself. Yeah, you know, it's fine. But no, guys, we hope that you guys have an incredible week. Keep being the amazing educators yes, that you are. If you nobody's are. told you today, you are amazing and you are changing lives. So we'll see you next week on The New EDU. Bye, everybody. The New EDU is hosted by me, Wade King. And me, Hope King. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfush. And edited by Andrew Weller. With production support from Sterling Coates and Chase Mayo. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. The New EDU podcast is a 3% chance production. <laughs>